From Hammond, Louisiana, this is Home Care America, your weekly dose of news and insights from the wonderful world of home care, waiver providers, and ICF IDD operators. It's brought to you by Cura OS, the all-in-one software solution that was forged from 30 years of experience in this industry. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to new listeners out there. This week on the podcast, we've got a wonderful interview, the first part of three, an interview with Caroline Meehan, the executive director of the Community Provider Association. It's Louisiana's leading statewide trade association for disability services organizations. This is a really in-depth interview that's going to cover some pretty important changes happening at the state level regarding rate increases and compliance. You're really going to want to stay tuned. But first, we want to let you know that this podcast is now available on almost all the major platforms. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, quite a few more. So if you recommend this pod to a friend, it's a really good chance they'll be able to find it. Now, we also want to loop back on a tip we left you last week, a little life hack about downloading and transcribing helpful podcasts that might really empower your business as a caregiver. This podcast in particular would be a good example. We told you about ListenNotes.com, a free website where you can find any podcast you've heard with just a couple of clicks. And we also told you about Otter.com, a website that is industry-leading transcription of any audio file. But we forgot to mention that Otter.com has a basic entry level that is totally free, and it's 600 minutes a month of free transcription. And that should cover most people's needs. So this is a really good idea and life hack for your caregiving business, and we wanted to double down on it for you. Well, with all that being said, let's join James Griffith and Bridget Wilson of Cura OS in a really wonderful, in-depth conversation with Caroline Meehan, Executive Director of the Community Provider Association. So, we're sitting here today with Bridget and Carolyn Meehan from the Community Provider Association. I'm so happy to have you here today with us, Carolyn. Would you like to give a brief intro of yourself and maybe the Community Provider Association to our listeners today? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. As James said, I'm Caroline Meehan. I'm the Executive Director of the Community Provider Association, or the CPA. You'll hear me use that um, acronym. So the CPA is Louisiana's leading trade association for disability service organizations. So that includes community homes, home and community-based services for individuals with disabilities, and support coordination services. And I've been in this role for just over two years, but the Community Provider Association has been around uh, since 2015. And I know Bridget was there even before that, so she can probably provide um, a little more on the history of our, our association. Yes, Caroline, we we started in 2015. We came together, several organizations came together to form this one organization. And over the years, we have achieved some really great legislative wins for our industry. The CPA was instrumental in 2019, getting that rate increase that happened in 2019 that I know really impacted many of our members and I know the industry as a whole because our rates were just so low. Getting that rate increase really saved a lot of businesses, I believe, because I think that several were on the verge of going out of business. And so that's something I'm really proud of. I was the president at that time, and I'm really proud of that achievement. 
And we just continue to make really great legislative, you know, legislative strides. The CPA is a growing force in the state of Louisiana, and you are doing an amazing job as our executive director. Director, I am so happy I was involved in bringing you on board <laughs> and that you are here. <laughs> Thank you. I know that the CPA was definitely instrumental in getting that rate increase passed. And Bridget, as you mentioned, I know that a lot of providers were on the verge of going out of business as uh, CARE was one of those providers. And we're very grateful for that rate increase. And the subsequent rate increases, and hopefully for future investment that we'll see in the services we provide. And we know that the uh, CPA will be instrumental in successes, those future successes as well. So just a quick plug for the CPA, you know, if you're a provider agency in Louisiana and you are not a member of the CPA, please consider reaching out to Carolyn and joining this great, great advocacy group that works so hard on our behalf. Carolyn, are there, uh, maybe there's some information that you would like to share with providers today that can help them over the next year or maybe some insights that you've learned over the last year or two that would help providers prepare for the future. Is there something you might like to share? Sure. A um, couple of things I can share. And just to go back a little bit more to the CPA and our mission, we kind of have three major pillars, advocacy, collaboration and education. And so I think, you know, just to pick up on what what James was saying, if you become a part of the CPA, you'll become a part of of all components of our mission. And the first thing I want to, you know, mention that providers should be looking out for is the work we're going to be doing during the state legislative session. So if you're a provider in Louisiana and you provide any of the IDD home and community based services, you know that you got a rate increase starting October 1st mm-hmm. that also included a wage floor for your direct service professionals. We're fighting to keep that funding in place for the coming year, which would also keep the wage floor in place. We're also looking to to obtain or to secure funding in the state budget for immediate care facilities and support coordination services. So that's that's a big part of what we do at the CPA is advocate for all components of the disability service and for home and community-based services for individuals with adult onset disabilities. You know, I would say just be aware that we're continuing to work for, for better funding and for better rates for the services. Another trend that I'm seeing that I think all providers need to be aware of is this emphasis on wages for direct care workers. You know, if you're a provider, you know <laughs> that it's a struggle to recruit and retain direct service workers with the wages that, that are currently able to be offered. We're seeing more and more with the Louisiana Department of Health and with the state legislature that they're going to expect to see higher wages as rates increase. So I think that's just a big trend to be aware of. And Carolyn, I'd just like to say, too, providers should be on the lookout for emails from the state legislatures and auditors because they are auditing providers to make sure that they did pass that money through to their care attendants. They didn't call it a pass-through, but but they did say that, you know, you have to have that $9 floor. And so they are in the process of requesting those records. So if you haven't received that email yet, it will be coming and, and just be prepared for that. Absolutely. Just another another thing that I'm starting to hear more and more about is 
some things that the Department of Health was talking about pre-COVID and got put on hold are going to start coming back up again. So that includes the settings rule for home and community-based services and other projects that were, were just, they kind of hit pause on. I think we're going to start seeing those coming back in the next few months. Can you can you go into uh, any details or specific about that settings rule? Sure. And Bridget, you might know more specifics on the settings rule, too. But basically, I mean, the idea is it's a federal rule that requires providers of home and community-based services to be sure their participants are integrated into the community as much as possible. And during COVID, obviously, people, none of us were going out into the community <laughs> as much as we normally did, including individuals with disabilities. But now, you know, the federal government has started talking to states that are re-looking at compliance with the settings rule and being sure that they're not, you know, segregating the individuals they serve. The, the focus when the, the rule first came out was mostly on your day programs and inclusion. And they have multiple times pushed the deadline back, especially as Caroline has mentioned due to COVID. But the new deadline is, is 2023. And that they are, you know, the federal government has said that if providers are non-compliant, that after that date, they will not be able to bill. So they are definitely wanting to make sure that recipients are not just in a home somewhere, but that they are out and active in the community. And I think LDH will start having more trainings and sending out information about that in the coming months. Well, that's very interesting. And that should be a, I would imagine that would become a concern for some providers who probably have limited access to integration opportunities and do you have any idea of some examples of how providers might consider integrating their clients further into the community? I think some of the ways that providers can do that is having, especially for waiver providers, because you know, waiver providers generally provide one-on-one -on -one services and starting to have sponsoring community events for your care attendants to bring your clients to. So whether that's come in and play bingo or whether it's just we have one Wednesday a week, every other Wednesday, we all get together and have lunch together in the, in the backyard of the business. Whatever you can do, depending on your size and your location, to, to provide opportunities for people to be together and in the community. It, it could be a day trip to the library where you're sponsoring a library day. There's, there's many, many things to do. You just have to start really kind of preparing for that now so that you're, you know, when it's time to submit your plans, you know, you have those things in place. Yeah. And I think another key part of the, in preparing for implementation or compliance with the settings rule is the person-centered nature of planning that you do for individuals receiving services. So community integration so, is going to look different for each person, it looks different for us as people, maybe without disabilities, how we engage in the community is unique to us. And I think that's, that's, I mean, it's labor intensive to do that for the individuals we serve, but it's, it's essential for them and, and for the rule. The other thing I just wanted to mention, and this is a larger issue that the CPA works on, but with regulations that come, such as the settings rule, when those regulations come down, they almost always, if not always, 
require extra money <laughs> to do. And the rates don't, as y'all know, as providers and, and any providers listening, the rates are not adequate. The Medicaid reimbursement rates are not adequate to cover what you're meant to be doing now. And so we're always part of our message at the CPA when additional regs come from the federal government or the state is pushing to have those extra expenses covered with the rate. And another thing you're going to see, I think, at the state level over the next few years, as we keep pushing on it, is a more reliable rate structure that's updated on a regular basis to reflect costs. And I think you'll see. That is great news to hear. We're working on it. And I think you'll see, you know, a trend at the federal level is to put more funding towards home and community-based services. But leaders at the federal level have been pretty clear about the fact that if they're going to give states those resources, they expect states to do regular reviews of rate adequacy and to, to, to keep an eye on direct support professional wages. So this all... This all ties together any innovations we want to make in the disability space and the home and community services based community services space. We have to make the commensurate investment. So, that's, and we want to make that investment. Course, yeah, you know, we we want to pay staff more. You know that I I I know that we do, and we have. It's been really great when we got certain funds coming in and and the rate increase and and things, you know, it's like happy day. Let's give it away. You know? So it was really, we want to do that. Well, well, this certainly sounds like some exciting and challenging times ahead for providers. The, the language that I'm hearing a lot now is this person centered planning. And I think that puts a that is a that is a challenge for providers to truly create person-centered care plans when I would say most providers have have been following the state guided plan which really doesn't it really isn't person-centered planning so I think that's probably something that that providers need to give consideration to and fully understanding the implications of person-centered planning. Can you give us any insights into person-centered planning and what that really means at the provider level? So what what that means is that in a state plan, it will say, you know, you talk about your ADLs, your activities of daily living, and it will say that the client needs a bath. You know, that's what the state says is they need a bath. But we all, some people like showers, some people like baths, some people like to take morning baths, some like afternoon, some take a bath in the morning and a shower at night. And so when you're creating those goals for the for the staff that are working with the client, you have to be real specific. You know, do they like Epsom salts in their bath or a little sprinkling and how hot do we like the water, you know, so that you're really helping the staff provide a great, you know, provide great care and assistance for your client on what they need on a daily basis. And and you think a bath is something that we all do, but we all have preferences, you know. And so being able to provide that information to the care attendant is going to be really important. It already is important, but it's just going to become more and more important. And especially with Julie mentioned that the state has been approved for their value-based payments at our, at our most recent meeting. 
And what does that really look is being able to provide data to the state to show how you're providing these person-centered care, you know, truly person-centered care. And and providers are going to need tools to to put that data quickly in the hands of state of the state so that they can they can get that extra fund, get those extra funds. Yeah. And I think, you know, another another important part in my mind of person-centered planning is recognizing the value and the need for a continuum of disability services for individuals in Louisiana who have disabilities. So I know, you know, at Cura, I know you support home and community-based services, but also intermediate care facilities. And I think that's key. Intermediate care facilities are, you know, I assume a lot of listeners know, but these are, you know, facilities where individuals uh, with disabilities live together and receive services together. The majority of those in Louisiana are, are eight, eight people or fewer living together. They're not the huge institutions of old. And I think there's been, there's really a push to get people into home and community-based services, which is good for a lot of people. I think what, what we find, you know, and what providers find working with actual individuals and their families is that maybe the nature of a person's disability or their personality or their family situation makes them want to live in a community or in in community with others rather than on their own with a with a waiver and i think we just have to as a state and this is a big part of what we talk about at cpa we have to fund these services equitably and offer people the choice of how they receive services and where they live. And I think that's part of when you're doing person-centered planning with someone and you're evaluating them and their family, Absolutely. you will, you'll see where, where they might best fit in. And again, that might change over the course of their life, but we need to have these options for them. Well, having been a provider for 30 years, I'm just so happy to see all of these options expanding for the people that we care for. I think it's amazing to see our DSWs being finally recognized as the professionals that they are. You know, when we started CARE 30 years ago, we were really kind of considered glorified babysitters at the time. And it has always been our intent at CARE to further legitimize our industry. And I'm just so happy to see... um these rate increases coming to incentivize providers to pay a higher wage to their staff, that our staff can now have the ability to earn a better wage. And I think it's definitely required, as I listen to the two of you outline the serious, not just challenges, but the requirements coming down that providers are going to have to accommodate. This is truly going to require a higher level of employee than we than we hired 30 years ago, and probably higher than some of us are hiring today, when we have to truly be able to comprehend detailed plans of cares and then be responsible for ensuring that all of those activities are completed timely. Wow. I can just see how this is going to be a true challenge for our industry. I'm so glad that we have created Cura to help providers manage all this. And I know that it is going to be a true part of the future of our industry. Thank you, Carolyn, for being here today and shedding some light on this. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Home Care America. We're going to be hearing a lot more from Caroline Meehan in episodes to come, so stay tuned for that. In the meantime, have a wonderful week, and if you get anywhere near the madness, have a happy and safe Mardi Gras. See you next week.